where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is love. The reason why this message starts this way is because the audio this morning didn't record the message. And the video recorded 15 minutes and then it stopped. I will return you back to the video which you will see the message started off this morning. But then I want to come back to this recording studio and complete the message. And the reason why I do that is because I believe this message today the church needs to hear. It is a message which explains two words for you. The word repentance and what it means but also the word confession. I go to two passages for you. The first one is in Revelation chapter 9. That's where I ended up last week with my study through the book of Revelation. And then secondly, I go to 1 John chapter 8 verse, uh, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 and 9, where, you know, it's such a familiar passage that says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So let me return you to the church service this morning and I'll meet you afterwards and complete the sermon. And now we're coming to again that little pause there. We're going to see three mysteries. But I want to take, I want to start today in Revelation chapter 9 again. I want us to go, if you open up your Bible in Revelation 9 verse 20. Because I want to address something before we get into the mysteries of chapter 10. I want you to carefully listen when I read this, because it addresses every single person in this place, including myself. He says, but the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, what did they do? They did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols and gold, silver, brass, stone and wood, which can which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Verse 21, And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries and their sexual immorality of their thefts. I want you to understand these two things which he addresses here. The one is the inward and the one is the outward. The inward is worship. He says it right there. He says that they did not repent of the works of their hands. And you know what this is? That they should not worship the demons. You see the word worship there? That is inward. That is coming from your inside out. That's something you do on the inside. And then he goes on to say they did not repent of their murders. That's works. The Greek word for worship here is proskunio. Proskunio. That means to kiss the hand in reverence. When you see the Pope appear, what do the people do? He holds out the hand, and what do they do? People come and they proskinio, they worship, they kiss the hand. The other meaning of this is like a dog come and he licks his master's hand. Who's got animals? What do they love to do? I've got a new, new dog in our house, his name is Cody. And you know what happens when I get home, he runs up to me and what does he do? He licks me. He licks me, man. He licks my trousers. He licks my hands. And I go, what's going on? I'm clean. 
You think we think he's trying to wash or clean us, but it's a sign of worship. The dog worships you if he licks you. And this is what this word means. It comes from the inside out. You see, first of all, that dog needed to find a connection with me. And now every single thing I do for him is I'm like a god. Why? Because I provide for him. This is the first thing that John writes down here by the inspiration of God. He says that you see they do, they worship demons. Another way of doing worship, and look, we look at the Muslims, and they're doing this. They go on their knees, they bend forward, and their heads, their front heads touch the ground. That's what this word means. Does it now mean that we need to do that? No. Because, friends, we worship God out of your hearts. It's not just coming in here and sing songs. People think worship is hallelujah and praise the Lord and, oh man, we've worshiped. No, this is why worship, friend, goes on right through the week. This is why worship is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Not only in church. We need to worship every single day of our lives. This is what this word means. Now, this is telling me that these people understand what worship is, but they're doing it to the wrong object. What is the object? The object is straightforward there for us. It is idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood. And I'm telling you today, people are still worshipping objects. We fall so easy for that. We go so easy after objects, which is not God. You see, Jesus Christ needs to be the object of your worship. You say, why do you degrade my Lord to an object? Yes, I'm telling you that if you worship Him with everything in you, the object of your faith becomes Jesus Christ. That is why if Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, He becomes that object, your faith is strong. If it's something else, your faith is weak or you have no faith. Because none of these things can give you faith. Look, it says, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. It can't see nor hear nor walk. And oh, they praise and they worship their idols. They go, oh, but they go on and on and on. And it cannot hear them. There's only one who can hear your prayers. Come on, shout it out. Who's he? It's him. It's him. Come on, shout his name again. Jesus. It's Him. He hears your prayers. The Father hears your prayers. The Holy Spirit inspires you to pray to the Father. He's not gold. He's not silver. He's not brass. He's not stone. He's not wood. He's a loving God. And our worship should be to Him. And then it's the outward, the actions. He talks about murders, sorceries, sexual immoralities, and thefts. But listen to this now. Don't miss this now. There's two things. Reckon inward and outward. But this is now what I want to touch on. He says they did not repent of that. You see that? Repent. What does repent mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word manatunio. Manatunio. What does manatumio mean? It means a change of one's mind for the better, forsaking the past and present sins. In other words, friend, you've got to have a change of mind of the wrong things you are doing. You need to change your mind. 
You see, some people think it's only a prayer that you come up and for five minutes you say, do you want to accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes, yes, I want to accept Him as my Lord and Savior. What do I do? Well, just say this five-minute prayer after me. Pray after me. And we pray that prayer. And what happens? They stand up from there. They haven't changed their mind about their sin. They walk out of the door. They go straight back into sin. And they make a mockery of God. Because the life has not changed. There's no fruit of repentance. Repent is a change of mind. That's what it says. You need to change your mind about what you're doing. Lord, the things which I see, they ain't right. That is what it is. Repentance is what it is. In other words, what do we do? We study the Word of God. And if the Word of God says, Thou shalt not steal, what does it mean? Come on. You shall not steal. That's how easy it is. Does it mean the pen you're taking from your company is stealing? Of course it is. If it's not issued for you to take home and you just take it because you want to have it, then it's stealing. Now, if you do it constantly because your mom and your dad has done it and grandma and grandma has done it, I know there's influences in your life that do that. But if the Bible says it's wrong, then you need to have a mind change and say that stealing is wrong. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to change my mind. Are you, are you with me right now? You see, what we have today in the church, we've got a soft uh, conversion happening in churches. They say, if, if you only come to church and you mingle with us, you will get better. And you know what? It's true. They will get better, but they will not be saved. They will, they will get better, but they will still be lost. Friend, the church is not going to save you. Let me give you the reality right here today. The church is not going to save you. The church is not going to get you into heaven. There's only one that's going to get you into heaven. It's Jesus Christ. And through Him, there's only one way. It's through repentance. It's changing your mind of the things that you do and you think they are right, but they are wrong. You say, but I've been brought up this way. That doesn't count for you, friend, because there's a better way. And now that you've got brains and understanding, you need to find the better way. But look, there's a second word which I want to explain to you. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 8, it says the following. Listen to this. If we say that we have no sin, I'll tell you now that nearly, and look, I'm just throwing numbers in the area, okay? I'm spitballing here. You understand what I'm saying? If we say that we have no sin, I want to say that nearly 80% of the population of the earth today will say that. And so many in the church today will say that. Oh, I have no sin. I'm not lost. Look, it's politically incorrect now to go into the world and tell people that they are lost. That they are sinners. You could, you could land behind bars when you say that in society today. Because a mankind's not lost. Who, who told you that nonsense? Where did you dig that out? But here he goes. He says, if we say that we have no sin... Who do we deceive? The government? The police force? Your parents? Your wife? Your husband? Your children? Who do we deceive? Come on, it's right there in front of you. We deceive ourselves. You become your, your own fool. That is what it means. You can lie to your friends, to everybody else, but you cannot lie to God and you can't lie to yourself. He says, we deceive yourself and the truth is not in us. 
if we confess our sins, listen to this now, if we confess our sins, what is confession? You mouth out your sins. It says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. This is why if you ask people today, are you a sinner? They'll say, oh no, I'm not a sinner. Why? Because the word is not in them. They haven't had anything to measure their lives against. The only framework that they've got is what they were brought up with. The society where they grow up in. Their parents, what their parents say is right or wrong. But the word of God is the only plumb line that you and I can stand on, which will correct our lives. Now, look at this now. The word confess there is interesting. Because if you look at repent, remember it's manatineo, which means it's a change of mind. But confession means the following. It's homologio. Homologio, that's the Greek word. You say, man, it's heavy, this Greek, this morning. But hang in there. There is a blessing coming to it. Homologio means to agree with or to declare or to admit guilt. Look at this now. Put it together. He says there in Revelation 9, verse 20, he says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these did not repent of their works. We see that repentance is a change of mind. You see, it happens here and then it... Uh, what I preach there is the word confess, and confess comes from the word homologio. And homologio means to agree with, or to declare, or to admit guilt. This word is made up out of two words, two ground words for this word. The first word there is the word homeo, and homeo means the same as. The second word is the word logos. Now think about this. It says homo logio. Homos means to agree with. And then the second word added to that is the word logos. Now let me ask you, where do we find the word logos? If we go back to John chapter 1 verse 1. And the word of God says, it's such a familiar passage, such a great passage. It says, in the beginning was the word. Now the word there in Greek for word, in, in John chapter 1 verse 1 is the word logos. It says, in the beginning was logos. Now you and I know that that logos there in John chapter 1 verse 1 is Jesus Christ himself. He says, in the beginning was logos and logos was with God and logos was God. In other words, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was Jesus Christ and Jesus was with God and Jesus is God. Now, in verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says that He came and became flesh and lived amongst us. This to me gives the evidence, listen to this, the evidence that the word Logos in John chapter 1 verse 1 is Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to our word confession here. Homologio, which means the same as Logos. Now, if we think about this, when I do a confession, I conf like Romans says, I confess with my mouth. In other words, I say with my mouth something. And this is what I say. 
I identified sin in my life. This is what we do. And, and this is the previous word that we realize when, when I repent of my sins. That word matineo, to change my mind of the things that I've done which is wrong before God. Now, this is where it comes. He says, now, I need to become the same as Christ. Confession means I confess my sins so that I can become the same as Logos. Me, the, the fact of the matter is, friends, we take the Word of God and we measure ourselves up against the Word of God and we realize that we fall short of the glory of God. And this is the reason why we come to the Word of God and we confess our sins. What a wonderful word that is used there. In English, we just have the word confession. And it is so flippant and so easy for people just to say, I've confessed. But what have you confessed? What is your confession? Your confession or homologios needs to be to agree with Jesus Christ in your life. This is what confession is. Now, I want to take it one step further, and I want to take you now through a process of how sin happens. Because let me tell you one thing today. Sin is not just something that happened like that. Sin is a decision. Sin is something that brews in your mind, it brews in your heart, and then when the opportunity is there, it conceived, it happens. It's not something like you just say, oh, I couldn't help myself. No, you could. The decision is yours, whether you want to commit sin or not. So follow me here to a passage which is really interesting. It says in James chapter 1 verse 12. Now I love this passage because it's a fascinating passage. Now listen what it says. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now that word temptation there means tests. It means that you come under a test. He says, blessed is the man who endure that. Not who is tempted, who endures that. Who can go through the test and be unscathed. Now it continues to say, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now, if you think about this, it says in the first part there, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now, the question here is, how can you endure temptation? How do you do that? Oh, there is a lot of people who say a lot of things. Some say, just pray more and pray more and you will uh, endure temptation, which is good. Prayer is fantastic. And others say, just hang out with the church crowd and you will be able to endure temptation. And others say, oh, just stay away from it and you will endure temptation. All of these things is good. But there's one concrete thing that I want to give you today that will help you to endure temptation. And for that, we need to go back to uh, Psalm chapter 1. Now, let's open up in Psalm chapter 1 in your Bibles, and I'll show you this. It's a fascinating passage. Now, if you start reading in the Word there, now listen to this. It says, Psalm 1, 
verse 1. He says, blessed is the man. Come on, you know where we found it. It is in James chapter 1 verse 12. He says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Here we find the same words. Here in Psalms, he says, blessed is the man. Now listen to this. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. There's three action words here, which the psalmist write down for us. Three action words. The first word is walk. Now, what happens when you walk? You can walk up to a situation and you can walk away. It's not a permanent state. It is a state of being. You go through that. The second word that he uses there is the word sit or stand. He said, blessed is the man who walks, not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners. Now, when you use the word stand, it is also action word. You come into a position where you stop. And then the third one is nor sit in the seat of a scornful. It is a more permanent position. Now, stay with me here. Because there's three things which is applied here. The first one, who walks, has got to do with your thinking. It's connected with your thinking. Think of this. If you walk up to a situation... And you determine in your mind whether that situation, you like it or not, then you can walk away or you can stay. But that starts with the thinking, friend. It is associated, walking is associated with your thinking. The second one, when it comes to stand in the path of the sinners, has got to do with your behaving. You see, now you form a pattern of behaving. You were thinking, you were walking, now you stop and that forms your pattern of behaving. And then we know the third one is who sit, who sit in the seat of the scornful and that is uh, connected to belonging. So there you've got three things, thinking, behaving, belonging. Now let me put it to the test. All of us, or most of us, has walked into a room where there's a lot of people in the room. Let's say it's in a sports gymnasium, and you're walking, and there's the crowd sitting on the pavilion, on the stands. Now, all of us went through this. The minute you walk into this gymnasium, and you see the people on the stands, you're still walking. It affects your thinking. You think, everybody in this place is going to see me. And now it becomes a conscious thing, a, a self-conscious thing. I'm thinking, am I rightly dressed? Is everything fine? What is the people going to think about me? You see, this is a walking action. And as you walk through that, it feels to you as every person in that stands is looking at you. But then you come to a point where you stop and you stand and you look into the crowd because now you need to find a seat to sit. And that's the position where you feel, oh, can I just get the seat to get out of the eyesight? Because the minute one stands, it draws attention. You see, that is the spot where it comes into a behaving. People are looking at you and they go, what are you going to do now? You stop. Attention is on you. And then the next minute you find your space and you sit down. And then, listen to me, you become part of the crowd. 
You found that belonging. You are now part of that, that stands of the pavilion of the people on the pavilion. Now notice, notice very carefully now. A next person walks in and he goes through exactly the same method that you went through. He walks in, it affects his thinking. But now you're sitting in the stand and you are looking at this person and let's hang in here with me. And now when you see this person, you make a judgment. You look at this person and you start looking at their clothing. You look who they are. You look at their hair. You're sitting in the stand. You find a place of belonging. And, and what you actually are doing is you are measuring yourselves up against him or her. But that person was where you were. They go through the walking stage, which is affecting the thinking, standing still, turning to the crowd, looking for a space to sit down. And that is that part of behavior. And then as that person finds that seat, sits down and that person becomes part of the crowd. Now, David warns against this in a negative sense. He said, blessed, he, he puts the positive in and then he says, blessed is the man who do not do these things and sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, what is the opposite of that? He says there in verse 2, Psalm uh, chapter 1 verse 2, he says, but sharp contrast. Always remember when you see the word but in the word of God, it is a sharp contrast. He says, but his delight is in the law of God. I love this. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates. Listen to this. Not only just on Sundays. He meditates on this day and night. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 14 says. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Why would Proverbs write this? He says, avoid it. Stay away from it. Do not travel in it. Turn away from it and pass on. Our friend David himself, he says it again in Psalm 119 verse 11. He says, your word I have hidden in my heart. In my heart. That I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. But if I do sin against you, what is the thing that we need to do? We need to repent of our sin. We need to come to a point of mataneo. We need to come to the point where I change my mind for the better. And we repent and we come to God and say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm changing my mind of the sins I've done in the past and the present. We need to confess our sins. Homo logios, where we agree with the word of God is right and I'm wrong. Uh, friend, you know, it is, I've read it so many times and I've seen it for myself. I've been part of this. We're people so easy. Just say a five-minute prayer and their lives continue on. And it made me wonder. It made me wonder. Have those people really touched the glory of God? I'm not sitting here to judge. But I'm applying the word of God to my life and to lives that I've preached to. Repentance needs to be short. It needs to be quick. And confession David knew all about that. 
He writes it down here, and this is the way that a blessed man endures temptation. But let me give you, let me give you the, the steps of sin, which is a fascinating if we continue reading in James, and now we're in verse 14. He says, but each one is tempted, tempted, when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Underline that. He's drawn away by whom? By his own desires. Don't you come and tell me that I couldn't help myself or I did it because he did it or they told me to do it. No, no. You are, listen, the word of God, not me, the word of God says it so clearly. He says you are drawn away by your desires and you are enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, let me make this practical to you. You invite me to your house. And as we walk and we sit down around your dinner table, you bring out these beautiful crystal glasses. Man, they are beautiful. And you paid a price for them. But the minute that I see these glasses, I wanted to have one. Because what you didn't know is I collect crystal glasses. And I'm looking at these crystal glasses. And you've got your juice and you throw the juice in the glasses. And now I'm drinking my glass and while we talk, I just quickly slip it in under my jacket. And there it sits. You see, I've taken the glass. And now we sit there and it's so uncomfortable for me because it's really poking me against the ribs here and... And by the end of the night, I walk out of your house with the glass right under my arm and I'm successful. I've taken your glass and I can put it now in my collection. Let's apply the word of God. It says, first of all, you are tempted and drawn away with your own desire and enticed. What happened here? My desire was to have that glass. It doesn't belong to me. And as, as I still remember, the Bible says that stealing is a sin. Stealing is a sin. And I've taken your glass. I've stolen it from you. And I was enticed by myself. Nobody told me this. I wanted to have your glass. And then it goes on to say, then when desire has conceived, I took the glass, put it in, and I did the act. It conceived, it, the word conceived, let me think about a baby that was born, that the child is born now. They can't go back into the womb. And here it's the same thing. I've taken the glass, I've, I've stolen, I've put it under my jacket and I've walked out of it. So it conceived. The second step of that is conceivement. But then I've told the lie. I didn't take the glass. When you ask me, why are you sitting so like that? I said, oh, you know, I've, I've hurt my ribs in the gym this morning. Um, you see, this is what sin does. It, it makes it more ugly and it, and it piles on. But that's not where it ends. It says, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. What have I done? I've stolen it. I'm, I'm, I'm a thief. And the Bible says thievery is a sin. And then it says, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. Now, let me apply that now to you. So, we had fellowship with one another. You invited me to your house. You put out your best glasses there. Now I'm sitting there thinking, I'm, I've done my deed. I've taken your glass. I'm out of your house. I can see your glass in my collection on, on the shelf there. 
But now I'm starting to think. Have you noticed? We were six people there. Six glasses came out. Only five returned. What if? What if you know it's me taking it? You see, friend, at this point in time, what's happening here is fellowship is broken. Because I'm afraid that you might know and, and you might well know that I've taken your glass. But I do not, I do not have the freedom, I do not have the comfort of, of fellowshipping with you again. How can I invite you to my house? Your glass is on the, on the wall there. But apart from that, how, how can I go to anything where you are? Now, whenever I see you, I want to avoid you. Why? Because there's death in that relationship between us. Friend, this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. If you remember when Adam sinned, he disobeyed God. The Word of God says that the voice of God came through the Garden and he cried out, Adam, Adam, where art thou? Where art thou? And what did Adam do? Did he jump up and down and say, here I am God? No, 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 no. You see, it is true what James writes here. It says, it brought forth death. Brought forth death. And it cut the fellowship with God. The same happens here. Now, I've only given you a practical explanation how the fellowship between me and you will be broken. But if you sin, my friend, the fellowship is broken with God. Until, and this is the great news, until you repent of your sin and you confess. Until you homologios, you agree with the word of God. Listen, this is how we apply it to it now. Until you agree with the word of God, you agree that you want to become the same as Logos, as Christ. And you confess to God, you repent, you change your mind that I shall not and I will not take that which does not belong to me anymore you can apply this to every single thing every one of the ten commandments that you find in the word of god we have to confess our sins and repent and this is critical for us to understand you see if we go back to psalm remember walking standing sitting thinking, uh, behavior, and then belonging. If you think of that, the first part here is, is when we are tempted, we walk, we're thinking about this. It, it, it then conceives, that is the standing. It is a pattern forming, and then we sit. We are belonging as part of those or of the scornful. Friend, the Word of God is so powerful and so wonderful, and I wanted to share this to you. It is, it is absolutely a pity that it didn't record as the way in church because I believe the Spirit of God spoke to our hearts in the church today. I believe that God's presence was there and He spoke to the hearts. And my prayer is, my prayer is surely that for me completing this, that the Spirit of God will speak to you as well. We have seen horrible things in the book of Revelation. It is coming. And we're going to see more terrible things that's coming to this world. And as we read in the Word of God, the ones who's going to stay behind on the world, there's a terrible judgment awaiting them. So why not now, while the time is right, come to the Lord, confess, homologios, say, Lord, I want to be the same as Christ. Now look, you don't become a Christ. 
but you become a blood-washed child of God by confessing, confessing your sins and repent thereof and say, Lord, change my mind so that I may sin no more. Let me do a prayer for you and for me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this word. I thank you, Father, that your word is true. It is a volume of truth. And within that volume of truth is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Is the Holy Spirit who strengthens us, who judges us and guides us. And is you, Father. And as we come to you today, we want to worship you and praise you and thank you for your loving kindness, your forbearance, Lord, and for your goodness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.